be your authentic self, and that will make your music more unique and just better. Because、mm-hmm. the more different voices we can hear、mm-hmm. in music, the better it, we all get.、Mm-hmm. And that actually kind of goes for life too. Just like everybody's opinions matter. Is like be yourself and respect how other people play music or their opinions too, because、mm-hmm. it really inform it. It informs all of us to become better ourselves. Yeah. Hello, and welcome to the Orchestrating Your Career podcast. I'm your host Rebecca, Becca for short, and I'm a clarinetist who studied at the Eastman School of Music, and then went to London to get my master's and PhD, both at the Guildhall School of Music and Drama. Having shifted pathways in my own life, I love hearing about the varied careers musicians can have and how they got there, and that's precisely what we're exploring in this podcast. As I sit down with music graduates to chat about their unique musical journeys, hear their hard-earned wisdom, and learn about how they're orchestrating their own careers. For today's episode, I had the pleasure of chatting with Emily Sai, an oboist who did her undergraduate degree at the Eastman School of Music, then went to the University of Maryland School of Music to take part in their Woodwind Quintet Fellowship. She's now a member of Winsync, the assistant principal of the Washington National Opera, and is back at the University of Maryland School of Music this time as their oboe professor. Emily talks about the value of connections and collaboration, and the importance of being your authentic self. She also shares a lot of practical advice on audition preparation, how to practice, and so much more. So you may want to take notes. You're listening to Emily playing the Mozart Oboe Quartet under this intro. So stay tuned till the end of the episode to hear some more of this performance. And now let's get right into the interview. Hello, Emily, and welcome to the Orchestrating Your Career podcast. It's wonderful to have you. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. And it's really cool to reconnect with you too, because、mm-hmm. I haven't seen you in ages. Yes, since Eastman, right? It's been a while. Oh my goodness! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we met when we were both studying at the Eastman School of Music for、mm-hmm. our undergraduate degrees, which was a while ago. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I graduated in twenty eleven,、mm-hmm. and you were a couple years a couple years behind、that. me. So yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a long time. You've always been an incredibly talented oboist, <laughs> and it's been amazing to see all the things you've accomplished since Eastman. So thank you. I cannot wait to get into <laughs> all of that. But before that, I want to go back to the very beginning,、mm-hmm. or at least your musical beginnings. But I think for you, those are almost one and the same because you actually started playing the violin at the Very early age of four, I did. Yeah. So, could you share about how you got into music, why you started on violin, and how that then became oboe? Right. Okay. So, I started on violin when I was four, and it was mostly because my older sister、um, played piano,、mm-hmm. and、um, my parents are very into classical music, and so when it came. Time for me to pick an instrument at the ripe age of four.、Um, They're like, you can play piano or you can play violin.、Ah. Very Asian, I would say.、Um, so, and I wanted to be different from my sister, so I chose violin. And yeah, I just started right on the Suzuki method, you know,、mm-hmm. that whole thing. And it was very. And my dad actually learned violin with me as、oh, I grew up,、cool. so that he could kind of help me at home.、Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, it was actually really fun. And、um, my sister and I eventually were able to play music together because she、mm-hmm. would accompany me and、um, oh, that kind、nice、of thing. It's、yeah. awesome,、yeah. and you know, I was. I'm very thankful for that now, and I 
didn't realize how lucky I was, mm -hmm. you know. So, and then as I grew up, you know, I just kept playing violin, just taking private lessons. Mm -hmm. um, we moved around a lot, so I had a bunch of different teachers. But then when I was in middle school at the band program, there wasn't, well, there wasn't an orchestra at my school because it was very oh, small. Oh, interesting. It was only a band program. And okay. my sister, again, I like copied my sister. Yes. <laughs> so she did percussion because okay. she did like the mallet instruments, very similar, like the keys laid out like a piano. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I want to join the band, but I didn't play an instrument. So my band teacher basically kind of tricked me into playing the oboe because uh, I didn't needed. I didn't know what it was <laughs> and he was like here's this reed can you make a sound and I was like and then I, I made a sound naturally and he's like great you're gonna play this and I was like okay so I I literally fell into it I had yeah I had no idea and um he didn't tell me it was considered one of the more difficult instruments mm -hmm. he also didn't tell me that I'd eventually have to make my own reeds. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I did I do feel like I was a little tricked yes. but um but though, actually, I really liked it, you know, started playing in the band and private lessons as well. And then I um, kept up both throughout high school, actually. Mm -hmm. And when it came time for college, I actually wanted to do a dual degree in violin and oboe. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, but <laughs> my parents, you know, the Asian culture, they're like, you need a backup just in case. Mm -hmm. Music is very, like you don't know, you know? Yeah. So um, they wanted me to do like a biology degree as well. Um, oh. They wanted me to do pre-med, you know, <laughs> just, you know. Yes. Yeah. So I was like, I don't think I could do three degrees. Yeah. So I had to choose between oboe and violin. Mm. And it was very difficult because I love violin and I still actually love violin. Mm. I still play sometimes. I, I actually taught violin for a oh. long time up until recently because I just got too busy. But um. I, I chose oboe because I was like, well, oboe is a more unique instrument. Mm -hmm. um, and there's so many good violinists out there. Yeah. So I actually, when I said goodbye to, not goodbye, but like when I knew I wasn't going to major in violin, I um, that was my junior year of high school. And I did one last hurrah on my violin. I was at Interlock in summer oh, camp on violin. on violin. Wow. Yeah. And playing in like the, what's it called? Like the World Youth Symphony or whatever. Mm. was really cool though, like on violin. But I, I took my oboe and I took lessons while I was there too. Wow. Um, but that was my last big like violin mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. And I actually met some people who um, went to Eastman afterwards, like oh. at that interlocking thing. And But when I saw them at Eastman, they were like, Wait, what? You play oboe? <laughs> so it was kind of like a, a, yeah. a you know, but it, and like I said, I love violin. I still kept playing it, um, even though I didn't take lessons anymore. But at mm -hmm. Eastman, I actually played in a lot of people's recitals on, on violin, violin. Oh. Um, especially when players they would they knew I play violin, so they're like, "Hey, can you play in this?" Mm -hmm. And I was just so eager to like collaborate with people yeah. that I was like, "Yes, yes, 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 yes." So I played on lots of recitals um, on violin. And then when it came time for my senior recital, I actually like cashed in all my favors and I was like, hey, can you play on my recital? Because I put together a 40-piece orchestra mm. to play the Corcoliano Oboe Concerto for mm. my senior recital. And I was like, I can't just do a piano. There's like this whole like play of tuning the orchestra thing. Yes. And I was like, it's got to be with an orchestra. So yeah. So I oh, like wow. asked all my friends and all the people I played on their recitals. I was like, you play on mine. <laughs> so yeah. And um, But the, the aspect of collaboration was like mm. really awesome to me. Yeah. And I did a lot of chamber music. I did chamber music mm -hmm. every semester. Um and this was all during while I was doing the dual degree. So I basically was, I had like no social life. <laughs> like it was a lot. Um, and I did not do pre-med. I did ecology okay. and evolutionary biology because I was just like, I like animals. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll, and that I'll do was that. At the University of Rochester. That was in Rochester. Yeah. So yeah. So that was like how I kind of 
morphed from violin to oboe, but yeah. still kept violin. Well, um, I hadn't realized violin yeah. was like so important up to so late. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. like even up to your junior year. But then you did, so you did all your auditions for oboe. Just oboe at that point. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, I actually started on violin as well. You um, did? I did. Oh my goodness! Yeah. But I I picked clarinet. My parents had me make the decision between. Clarence it's a similar, so, yeah. Yeah. Aww. That's really cool. I would love to go back a tiny bit. Sure. Um, and just mm-hmm. hear a little bit more then about how you sort of decided on Eastman and mm-hmm. that process of auditioning for schools. And then you're saying that you had to do this other major and how that kind of factored in as well. Oh, totally. Yeah. So I auditioned for like 11 schools wow. or something. Yeah. It was a lot. And, but I was specifically looking at schools that had really good dual degree programs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I got into, you know, all these, whatever music schools, um, but the ones that stood out, of course, were Eastman and Rochester mm-hmm. and then Peabody, uh, Peabody Johns Hopkins. Yeah. Um, and I know- Were you thinking pre-med at that time? I was, I was thinking pre-med at the time. Um, and then of course, like th- there were some New York schools that also have like a dual degree thing mm-hmm. with Columbia. Like it, it's not like the same school. So you, it was like a more complicated mm-hmm. setup. But the main factor is, of course, I went to take some lessons mm. with the teachers. And I think that's the most important um, thing to do when you're looking for where you're going to study yeah. is take a lesson with your teacher or future teacher. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes you find out that you're, even if it's a great school and you don't get along with the teacher, like that's you're not going to get mm-hmm. hardly enough, you know everything you could get out of yeah out of maybe a lesser known school but a really like you jive with the teacher yeah. like you would thrive way more there yeah so like I mean Eastman's a great you know well-known school and so I was lucky I took a lesson with Mr. Kilmer mm. when um and I actually got caught in a snowstorm on the way there yes, do. yes. <laughs> so my mom and I were actually stuck on the highway south of Buffalo mm. for like 12 hours oh my gosh in the snow and yeah. it was like and I called Mr. Kilmer I was like I'm gonna miss my lesson and he was like oh don't worry I'll keep the school up until midnight if you have like don't worry you just come whenever and I was like oh my goodness because he's so like famous yeah and I'm this no nobody from Indiana like I was living in Indiana at the time how is he so nice and like I went to the lesson like of course very late um I had like just enough time to take a shower and then like go Mm. to the lesson so I was kind of (laughs) like but we had a great lesson and you know and he was like if you work on these things, mm-hmm. um, you have a very good chance of getting mm-hmm. in. And I was like, really? <laughs> so I went back and I was just like, I got a problem. Like that inspired me yeah. to like really practice. And I took lessons with some other teachers too. And they're all like, I had great experiences, but he was like special. Out. Yeah. So my goal was like, I want to go to Eastman. And mm-hmm. so, yeah. So when I, when I was accepted, it was just like, it was no, um, you knew. Yeah, I knew. I was just like, okay, well, I don't have to worry about anything else. I'm just going to. I'm going yeah. to Eastman, you know, because yeah. he just had that special, I had a special connection yeah. with him. Yeah. And he has that with all his students, yeah. honestly. And then for me specifically, though, I, um, even during my, t- well, during my time at Eastman, he encouraged my dual degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of music That's teachers cool. don't, I know, because they're like, you have to concentrate on, you know, you have to, pre-. and I see why, because I didn't have enough, uh, uh, like I didn't have the time that other people did to practice, yeah. which is kind of like, uh, you know, cause that's the time where you do want to practice yeah. when you're in school. But he was very much of the mindset that you're gaining experience no matter what, like yeah. life experience, yeah. which is 
arguably as helpful or more helpful than sitting in a practice room by yourself. Um, So I learned how to be very efficient Mm -hmm. at practicing because and remaking and all that and Mm -hmm. like and also doing all the biology courses and labs and whatever. Mm -hmm. And there were only a few a couple times during my four years that had some conflicts. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but other than that, I like tried very hard to keep up with everybody else, even though I had less time. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Kilmer would of course be, you know, he would tell me if I was like just slipping. slipping a little bit, you know, like, you really need to work. And I was like, I know. <laughs> so, but he, but he knew yeah. what I was doing. Cause he's also such, you know, he does all sorts of stuff and mm-hmm. like he plays the cello and he plays mm-hmm. the saxophone and stuff. And, um, so he loved that I played violin. Yeah. Um, and we, on my senior recital too, for my encore, we played the Mendelssohn piano trio. He played so cello. So I played violin and Trevor Maori, don't yes. remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He played piano. Amazing. So we were called the secondary trio. <laughs> yeah. But, um, and I also took, um, he, and I was also, um, interested in like other things too, besides my majors. Mm. So I took Gamelon and mm, I, um, mm, right. and then I also took French horn actually for two years. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, so I, yeah, just for fun. And cause my dad played horn. And so he oh, had one okay. and I was like, Hey dad, can I have your horn? And he was like, sure. Wow. And uh, again, some oboe teachers or wind teachers would be like, oh, Mr. Your Abisher. But he was like, no, go, go for it. Like experience everything. Yeah. And I was like, this is so great. And so I actually made me think more about my Abisher mm. because of how different it was yes. for horn versus oboe. Yeah. And uh, this is totally a side note. You can cut this. No, but like, um, so my horn jury was right after my senior recital, like the mm. day after. Oh my God. So, and I had asked Trevor to accompany me on my horn jury as well. Yes because I thought it would be funny. And I played the first Mozart horn concerto for my jury. And Trevor, poor Trevor, had practiced so hard on the Mendelssohn um, that he didn't practice the Mozart. Oh, no. So when we got to the horn jury, he totally bombed. <gasps> like, totally bombed. And at one point, he was literally like, playing one note with one finger and I, and it made me crack up so hard. And it, as brass players know, if you're laughing while you're playing, you crack every single, yes. so every note I played was a crack. And I felt so, I was like, I went up to my teacher after and I was like, I'm so sorry. And she was like, you know, you weren't even the worst one today. <laughs> it was like, oh, okay. she gave me an A. It was great. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, but it was also the day of survivor side, so I was also like brain dead. Yes, of course. Anyway, so that's a little side, Amazing. side story. But love side stories. <laughs> but the whole point of that is that Mr. Kilmer was so encouraging mm-hmm. of you as a person, not yes. just you as an oboist. Yeah. And that is inspiring to me even today. Mm. So. Yeah. I love that. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's really important. And I think especially in an environment at schools like Eastman and like these really high performing institutions, it can be so easy to just, you know, drill down into just one thing and like yeah. just focusing on performance. And so I love that mm-hmm. you were able to explore all of these different interests and, you know, just capitalize on all the opportunities you had when you were there. Right. I think like for any advice for you know, building your careers from when you're a student mm. is that that is when you're in school, you have so many resources that you will not have yeah. when you graduate. Yeah. Uh, like when you graduate, you're like, Oh wait, everything's expensive. Ah, you yes. Know? <laughs> but when you're in school, you can do so many cool things and mm. collaborate with all sorts of different people and have all these like access to programs and mm. software and, and recordings and whatever. Yeah. And you need to take advantage of that yeah. when you're in school because 
then that those connections that you make in school also will help you down the line in your professional career. Mm -hmm. I mean, like this is jumping ahead a little bit, but I mean, we in my quintet mm. have commissioned music from fellow Eastman yeah. alums, yeah. Because, like composing new music for us yes. because of our connections mm -hmm. from school. Mm -hmm. So you, you want to start, yeah. it's not like you have to go and like, I'm going to network. No, you just, you know, make yourself available yeah. for all sorts of experiences. Yeah. And keep in mind so, like that these, yeah, these people will be your colleagues. They will. Yes. <laughs> So, like us, yes, right now. <laughs> Amazing, yeah. Wow, that's really cool. I would love to just dig a little more into you're doing all of these things at Eastman, mm -hmm. and you talked a little bit about like you became very efficient with your time. Yes, could you just expand on that a little bit? Like, what did that look like in practice, and how did you sort of balance all these different pieces? Yes, okay, so. <laughs> Efficiency practicing, basically. Yes. So I, but it's also beyond practicing. Mm -hmm. It's efficiency with your schedule. Yeah. And maintaining um, a strict, well, not strict, but like a calendar. Yeah. Because <laughs> I know that um, now that I've been teaching, mm -hmm. you know, other young, younger people now, I realize that one of the things that people kind of lack, young people kind of lack, I feel so old, <laughs> <laughs> young people lack, um, is managing your time. Yes. And it's kind of, the biggest life skill you should learn mm. as early as possible because mm. that more than anything else will help you do whatever you want like in yeah. your career yeah. so maintaining your calendar sticking to your calendar and if you make appointments or rehearsals or whatever with other people mm. making sure to be early like to those things and not make anyone wait on you mm -hmm. you know because I think that like it's really important to build your reputation as someone who is reliable. Yeah. I'm like, oh, it's such a great experience. They were always there on time. They were always prepared, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. You know, that is one thing, just like a life skill. Yeah. Um, the other thing about specifically practicing is when I got, there were weeks at Eastman, I would practice literally 15 minutes every three days mm -hmm. because I had no time. Mm -hmm. Like, and it wasn't that I was goofing off or around. I was right. doing homework. Yeah, I was... Yeah you know, doing labs, I was doing rehearsals mm -hmm. and stuff. So my me practice time mm -hmm. sometimes got pushed to the side, which mm -hmm. is unfortunate. But if I had those really short amount of times, mm -hmm. like don't think, oh, it's only 15 minutes. It's not even worth getting my instrument out. No, mm -hmm. like you can do really concentrated. Like I'm going to do this scale study yeah. for 15 minutes work on the fundamentals. Mm -hmm. Um, and even that concentrated 15 minutes is really helpful mm -hmm. to you. Um, and then in, when you have other times, like throughout the day, you can do 15 minutes, 15 minutes, you know, it doesn't have to be a big, long chunk of time. Um, cause actually if you do a long period of time of practicing, you're physically not being able to focus as well. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. So it is good to break it up. Mm -hmm. And then the biggest thing is just like, turn your phone off. Yeah. <laughs> like don't, don't have it anywhere near you because it's so distracting. Mm, especially today. Especially I can't imagine today. like dealing yeah. with the distractions of today when it's I was tough. Yeah. And like there's so many good things that you can do with technology, mm. like with your metronome and your recording mm. and you know, stuff like that. But there are there's something to be said about pure, concentrated, like mm. um this, you Focus. know. Yeah. And, and also not to just bop around from different pieces that you're working on. Like mm -hmm. that to me, I mean, some people do that and that's fine for me. I'm more like, I really want to like focus in on one thing and this limited amount of time mm -hmm. and get that set. I will worry about the other things later. Mm -hmm. Um, and so 
once you get that mindset and you really concentrate on that and you really pick apart and put it back together, mm. you really get good at that. Yeah. And so trying to be like, I have so much repertoire. I have to learn like, uh, you know, like do snippets of this and this, that's not really um, efficient in terms of you retaining anything yeah. afterward. Yeah. Rather split it up and be like, I'm specifically going to do this mm. for this 15 minutes. And I'm going to do that later at this 15 minutes. Mm. And again, maintaining your calendar, putting in these I keep saying 15 minutes. Hopefully it's a little longer, yeah. like 30 minutes, yeah. an hour even. Yeah. Like you kind of schedule out what you're going to practice. Yeah. Not just be like, here's my practice time. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to play whatever. Yeah. Be and really intentional. Be very intentional. And because um, some people do have the luxury of like, I have all this time, you know. And if you do and you're a student at school and you have the time, yes, use it. But if you don't, especially when you get into the professional world, mm. um, you've got to really plan it out. Mm. So sometimes I would literally write in my calendar, practice the pulong, you know, mm. practice the blah, blah, you know, whatever, like specific pieces. Yeah. Um, and I usually break it up into fundamentals, long tones, uh, of course, scales, arpeggios, mm. tonguing exercises, mm. you know, those kind of things as one thing. Yeah. Etudes as another thing. Mm -hmm. And then solo rep as another thing. Mm -hmm. And orchestral as another thing, especially when you're preparing for auditions. Mm those orchestral excerpts need to have their own, like, like no distractions from target time. Yes. Yeah. Target yeah. time. And even if you want to get even more anal, cause I'm an oboist, that's super <laughs> Um, you can even section out, I'm going to do 10 minutes on this excerpt, 15 minutes on this, mm -hmm. and then go through and then be like, okay, that's it. Mm -hmm. Then the next time you go through, you can act, you can cycle through them again. Yeah. Um, because if you kind of, like, like I said, if you bop around too much with the excerpts, what are you retaining? Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. But everybody has a different style. Like, mm -hmm. obviously, this isn't the cure-all for anything. you got to find what works for you. Mm -hmm. For me, that is what worked. Um, yeah. Just being very intentional. Yeah. And I think a lot of times you can feel like, oh, I just have this block to practice, so I'm just going to jump in and do whatever I feel is top priority. But actually, like, taking that, you know, few minutes beforehand and sort of planning out, like, mm -hmm. I'm going to intentionally hit these excerpts and spend this amount of time, then that can help your practice be a lot more effective. Totally. Totally. So I think that's so important. Mm -hmm. And my other big thing is don't skip the fundamentals mm -hmm. because especially when you're a student, <laughs> like you do as good as you are, you probably do not have all your fundamentals figured mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. So if you're skipping that to be like, well, I have to do the rep. No, 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 no. Like there, the, those days when I only had the 15 minutes every three days, what I would practice is my fundamentals mm. because that you're building your foundation. Yeah. And if you have that solid foundation and you really understand your instrument, that's the way it becomes a part of you. Mm. And then later on when you play music, it's so much easier because you can do anything the music requires you. Yeah. If you skip the fundamentals and just try to, you know, hammer it home in the music, sometimes you just like, I don't get it. I don't understand why I can't do this. And it's because you didn't build your foundation, mm -hmm. you know? And so, like, don't, as boring as it is, don't skip the fundamentals. Mm -hmm. Do your long tones, do all those other things, um, and record yourself. Listen mm -hmm. back to yourself. Um, I think that now with this technology that we have, it's so easy to record yourself. Mm -hmm. Back in my day, it was a lot harder, <laughs> yeah. you know? And, yeah. But those opportunities to record is so helpful. Yes. And you also are developing your ear as yeah. a musician, not just your technique, um, because you need to develop your ear. Mm. I, I always have my students, 
it's from the pandemic. Like, of course they had to record things mm-hmm. and whatever, but even after I'm like, that's really helpful. Mm-hmm. They record, we listen to it together. I ask them what they think of mm-hmm. their recording. And so they're starting to listen more intentionally. Yes. And they're learning then when they practice, Oh, I'm hearing that I can fix it on my own mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. having to wait for your teacher to tell you, mm-hmm. you know, you're doing that, you know? Yes. So recording and listening is so helpful. Wow. I feel like we just had a masterclass in how to practice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, these are just the things that I've, you know, thought are the, like, there's so many other really good things and techniques that you can incorporate into your practice. But these are the things for me that I've observed Mm. really stand out and really help. Yeah. And it's just really awesome because a lot of young people don't think about these other things. They're just like, I need to learn the notes on the page. No, that's not your... That's not, that shouldn't be the goal. Mm. So anyway, (laughs) no, amazing. I love it. Yeah. And I think it's really cool to hear sort of how you've transitioned from that, your student days to like now teaching and being Mm -hmm. able to take sort of all of that experience and incorporating it into how you're able to then teach and like pass that on. Right. So yeah. (laughs) Hopefully. (laughs) Definitely. I would love to hear about transitioning then from your time at Eastman into your master's degree. Mm -hmm. Um, How first, first I'd love for you to talk a little bit about your mindset and like what your idea of what would come after Eastman was when you're doing your undergrad. Right. And then how that directed your, you know, thought process on like, am I going to do a master's? What comes next? And then how you chose where you're going to study. Um, Yeah. So I always knew I wanted to do a master's in music. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And actually (laughs) that was the other thing with my, my, with my family, like in my dual degree, Mm -hmm. my goal was to be able to get into a master's program where I could only do music and Mm -hmm. not have to do another degree and my goal for that was like, I would be financially independent. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So if I could get into a program that gave me a scholarship, yeah. then I was like, then I know that I have a shot, mm-hmm. you know, and this is just my own personal goal because, yeah. you know, my parents were like, can I get that pre-med? And like, mm-hmm. again, I didn't do the pre-med. Mm-hmm. Um, so my whole thing at Eastman was like, yes, I do want to further my education. Um, some people dive right into a professional career right after their undergrad. And that's fantastic. But I would say the vast majority do not. Mm-hmm. So doing a master's is really great because it's a performance degree. Mm-hmm. Like a doctorate is more of a pedagogy, academic. yeah, academic degree. Um, but a master's really is the time. Like you have the fundamentals from the four years in college. Now is your time to really develop yourself as an artist mm-hmm. um, and finding your own unique voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and then at Eastman, <laughs> it, I mean, I was doing all these things. One of the things I loved the most was, again, collaborating with people, mm. chamber music. Mm. Um, and then, of course, my senior recital with the orchestra. Mm. I, and I actually graduated with the Chamber Music Award mm. from Eastman. And so that kind of, and Kilmer was kind of hinting to me, like, no, chamber music is really, you know, it's an alternative kind of career, but mm. you have a really natural affinity. way about yeah. you. Yeah. Affinity for chamber music. Mm. And I was like, cause I'd never thought of that before. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to do orchestral, you know, I'm going to win an audition and it'll be great. Mm. Um, and I was like, huh, you know, chamber music is actually more fun for me. Yeah. I, I love orchestra. Don't mm. get me wrong, but cha- there's the freedom yeah. about chamber yeah. music. And so, um, the university of Maryland, 
um, had a chamber, a fellowship chamber woodwind quintet. Mm. Um, and I was actually the very first year oh, that wow. they had it available. Oh. And, and it was amazing. I mean, like full tuition plus a really generous stipend. Mm. And I was like, that, that. <laughs> so, How did you even hear about it if it was the first year? Um, killer. Yeah. Cause, um, um cause Mark Hill, my teacher yeah. at Maryland, um, knows Killer. I mean, everybody knows that. Yes. Right? So, but like they were sending, the Maryland did a really good job mm-hmm. of sending out um, the information mm. to, because when I came to audition, there were a lot of people who yeah. auditioned for it. There were preformed groups and there were also individuals. Mm. I, I was an individual. Mm. Um, but I was like, this is perfect because I can still work towards my orchestral career or whatever, but I can be financially independent and mm. I can also do what I really love, which is chamber music. Yeah. And so I was lucky enough to win that um, audition. Mm. And so I got thrown into just, you know, intensive chase, like woodwind quintet mm. at Maryland. And it was really great. Like I didn't really know the other people. I knew one of the other persons mm-hmm. in the quintet because he went to Eastman with us, mm-hmm. uh, Matt Gray, mm-hmm. one player. Um, but the others I didn't know. So mm-hmm. it was also just a less, a life lesson about learning how to yeah. interact with other people yeah. on a very intimate level mm-hmm. when you have no background with them at all. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, it was really interesting to learn that. And also we went through so much repertoire. Mm. We got coachings with so many of the faculty at Maryland, which is awesome because, you know, usually you have your student ensemble, you have one coach through a semester. Mm-hmm. But for us, we were so lucky. We got to take coachings from basically any faculty member we mm-hmm. wanted. And we took full advantage of that. Yeah. Like, we even had a coaching from the trumpet professor, you know, because, and he's amazing. Like yeah. Chris Gecker is like, and he's like an encyclopedic brain. Mm. Like, so he like doesn't know the rep necessarily that we're playing, but he was in the American brass quintet. So his mm. chamber music, you know, and everything he said was like, wow. You know? And then of course, like Sue Heineman, the principal bassoonist of the NSO was on faculty. So talking, like getting to work mm. with her, of course, my teacher, Mark Hill, he has yeah. extensive chamber music background. And um, we got to collaborate with some of the string faculty and mm. the vocal faculty as well. Mm. And they even sent us to Italy over the summer. You know, Whoa. it was such a cool, cool experience. And it's so interesting now because now they've had quite a few other quintets that after mine. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of cool to see how the program has evolved yeah. because we were kind of getting pigs. You know, yeah. um, but it was such a great experience. Mm-hmm. And Mark Hill was fantastic teacher, just like really musical like Mm. focusing on the music and that's why I said like that's where I really developed my artistry Mm. um because I was mature enough and I had the foundation enough Mm. to do that um because I I will say I mean I was pretty good we got into Eastman when I was a freshman or whatever but like I was not ready to (laughs) really develop myself as an Mm. artist you know, as good as you think you are, you've got lots to learn. Yes. And so um, at Maryland, I was able to express myself mm. more as a individual. Mm. Um, so that was kind of how it pushed me into going to Maryland for my master's. Um, I auditioned at a few other places mm-hmm. too, but but that was like... A clear... A clear... Like that yeah. was just... Like if I got that, of course I could, yeah. you know. Um, and that's what brought me to the D.C. area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Wow. <laughs> it's really interesting to hear how the beginnings of sort of a different pathway for you were coming out even at Eastman and like this mm-hmm. chamber music as a possibility. I remember feeling the same way at Eastman, the beginnings of like, oh, there's other things that we could be doing with music other mm-hmm. than just the traditional orchestral pathway that I feel like what most students go into. Totally. Because yeah. I'm trying thinking about 
So mm-hmm. it's amazing that you're sort of that thought was already percolating, <laughs> and then and then you were like able to just dive right into it. Yeah, I mean, masters. and a lot of that was due to mm-hmm. Mr. Kilmer. Yeah, because um, he uh, he has a really good knack of seeing yeah. like you should do you should do this, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and and us being like. Wait, never thought I of that. I didn't even know that. I didn't even mean. know. Yeah, exactly. Aww. So, real, like I said from the very beginning, take lessons with your, the potential mm-hmm. teachers because you could have an experience like that, yeah. or you could have an, like a good experience, but not as you know. It's everything is very personal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was so cool to be like, there's more to music than just playing in an orchestra, mm-hmm. and having your own artistic freedom to choose mm-hmm. what you play. Um, to, to collaborate with, mm-hmm. you know, that opens up so many doors to do really cool projects. Mm-hmm. I will say it's very hard. <laughs> it's a very difficult career. Mm-hmm. Like if you go and win an audition and play in an orchestra, like you're, it's already set for you. You yeah. don't have to do so much other than just keep your, you know, your technique and your, your practicing and whatever. But in, when you're an op- entrepreneurial career, like mm-hmm. you have to really put yourself out there. Be always creatively thinking of mm-hmm. different projects, um, different um, people you want to collaborate with, etc. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's one thing that is a lot of work, like I said. Yeah. And honestly, it's not a ton of money, <laughs> but but yeah. it's so creatively fulfilling. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, most people and I would say most because. I would almost say everybody in chamber music does it because it's their passion and it's not because they're raking in the money. It's not (laughs) that. So it's, um, it's definitely a a thing of passion. Yeah. Did you, so when you were at Maryland, did you feel this was going to be your career then? Like I'm going to go the chamber music on more entrepreneurial route. Um, so I, I mean, I, I wasn't completely set that, that way. Um, but I, I mean, I was still taking orchestral auditions. Mm -hmm. I won like a few um, smaller regional orchestra mm. jobs. Um, you when know, you were still studying. when I was still studying, yeah, at Maryland, and so so that was my I was starting to get my professional orchestral chops as mm-hmm. well. And then, but I was always doing a lot of chant music. So after Maryland, I um, stayed in the area um, because I actually met my husband here mm-hmm. while I was a student, and so I kind of stayed in the area partially because things were getting serious with him. And then also because I just liked this area. Mm. Um, and I just started getting plugged into different opportunities in the area. Mm-hmm. Like Mark Hill, again, wonderful connection just that, you know, he helped me get some like chamber music opportunities, mm. um, digging in the area, freelancing. Mm-hmm. He helped me start my career here because mm-hmm. he was so well connected. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also joined the Musicians Union. Mm-hmm. You know, they have a showcase that they do um, every, uh, twice a year, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so you can, so if anybody's like, I don't know how to like get plugged in, like look at your union, local union. You can mm-hmm. do a showcase. A lot of presenters or um, contractors, I should say, mm-hmm. go to those showcases. And if they like you, you can talk to them after yeah. right? and, and they can get your contact and stuff. And that's actually how I started freelancing right oh, here. Okay is um, by doing that. Mm-hmm. And then also I started, I joined, you know, getting teaching as well, like just kind of emailing schools, mm-hmm. um, putting myself up on like a website. I think it's called Music123. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time. I don't even know if that website's still there. <laughs> um, 
But then um, also as you're gigging with other people in the area, you just start to make connections. Of course, yeah. And again, it comes back to being consistent, mm. being professional. Mm. If you are someone they like to play with and are like, they're always on time, they're so friendly, they play well, like it's really a joy, they will get you other opportunities to yeah. play. So that's kind of how that started. Mm. Um, but I was already doing chamber music. I played with a guitarist, an mm. oboe guitar duo. Um, I got plugged in with a local wind quintet mm. here, uh, Patagonia Winds. And so I started playing chamber, a lot of chamber music with them in the area. And, but all at the same time, I was still traveling out to the orchestras that I had, you know, I was a member of. But then, uh, I was also subbing in New World at the time too. Mm. So actually, while I was down in New World, I, um, that's whenever I had my interview for Winsync. <laughs> so I was already kind of known as, more of a chamber music person. Mm -hmm. um, like, and so actually when Winsync needed to get a new oboist, um, the previous oboist was also an Eastman alum actually, uh, but we didn't cross paths um, mm -hmm. because she graduated the year right before I got there. Mm -hmm. And her name is Erin Tsai and my name is Emily Tsai. <gasps> oh. So actually I got her mail when we were out oh at Eastman. And so I, that's how I, I reached out to her on Facebook or, and I was like, wow. hey, I have your mail. And that's actually how we met <laughs> is on <laughs> Facebook. And a lot of the teacher professors at Eastman called me Erin. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So um, anyway, that's how she knew of me. Yeah. But also she talked to Kilmer mm. just whenever when Sync was, because in a chamber group, they're not going to have like a nationwide right. audition. Like, no, like there's so many good players out there, but you want the player to be a chamber musician, yeah. not just like a player, you know? Yeah. So really looking for people like to recommend or mm -hmm. through our network um, when when we're looking for a new member. Mm -hmm. So Aaron talked to Mr. Kilmer and Kilmer was like, Emily. Oh. And so that's how they discovered me. Mm. And so uh, there was a whole audition process. And while I was at New World, that was when my interview happened. Mm -hmm. Because again, in chamber music, it's a lot of it, it was about matching personalities as yeah. well. Because it could be a disaster if not the right personalities. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so that's kind of when I was like, oh, wow, this could be like a really, that's whenever I was like, I could do a career in chamber music. Mm. Like, and I kind of stopped being as interested in taking orchestral auditions. Okay. And so I went down to Houston because WinSync is based in Houston mm. um, for my audition. And um, it went really well. And then a few weeks later, they were like, we want to hire you. Yeah. yeah, they offered me the job. And I was like, yes. And so I was like, I never, because I hate auditions. So I was like, I never have to take another audition again. Mm. So like, yeah. And now I'm in, I'm approaching my ninth season with Winsync. Wow. Yeah. And Winsync is so actually, is, that, is yeah. a season a year? Or? Yeah. Like from fall to um, mm -hmm. spring. Mm -hmm. That's a season. Um, and Winsync is actually approaching its 15th season. Wow. So, and so it's my ninth, it's their fifth, the group's 15th. Gosh. Um, and so it's been really like, I mean, it's been awesome. Like, yeah. like we travel, we tour about a hundred plus days a year. Wow. So it's a lot. We're like not many wind quintets are on the touring circuit. Mm -hmm. It's mostly string quartets. Yeah. Piano trios. You know. Yeah, yeah. So we're often the only non-string slash piano yeah. on a concert series. Mm -hmm. um, and we memorize everything, <laughs> which is a lot. But um, but we are very um, into, like everybody is very. We buy into the the product that we're putting forth. Yeah. So it's really cool to be working so closely with such like-minded, yes. high-level chamber musicians. Yeah. 
And that, and then I've been doing that for nine years and, um, gosh, yeah, it's, it's crazy. I know. <laughs> Could you sort of, I'm trying to get the timeline in my head Yes. <laughs> when these things are happening. So, so you graduated mm-hmm. and then you were sort of doing all of these things. Something yeah, freelancing. freelancing. Yeah, I was doing my orchestra jobs. And then mm-hmm. when sync happened, how long yeah. after graduating? Um, actually, not that so long. After. I actually also did a development internship at Wolf Trap during ah, that time as well. Wow, cool. Because I, again, I was kind of like, oh, you know, being an entrepreneur, yeah. you kind of want to learn how things work behind the scenes, arts administration. Yes. Yeah. Um, and development is very important, like mm. trying to fund your projects and everything, right? So I did that internship at Wolfchap, which was very informative and helpful to my career as mm-hmm. a chamber musician. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was about a year. And then after that, um, actually Wolfchap wanted to hire me on and I was like, mm-hmm. no, because I, I, I didn't want to just sit at a computer, right. you know, like, um, but it was such a great experience. Yeah. Um, but then it was basically a year, year and a half. Okay. And then I got, or maybe, okay, so I graduated from Maryland in 2013. Mm. And then I auditioned for WinSync in 2015. Okay, so I guess maybe like two-ish years. Okay. Yeah, as I joined them in 2015. Okay. Um, in the fall. And I yeah. auditioned in the spring. Makes so, sense. yeah. So, yeah. So, I guess it was about two years where yeah. I was like freelancing and starting to get my feet into the professional yeah, yeah, yeah. world. Yeah. And like I said, when you're in the professional world, you're not in school, you have way less time than you think. Like if you're like, I'm so busy at school. No, 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 no. You are way more busy when you're a professional because you you don't have a cushy like, well, I'm at school. No, yeah. you have to, there's bills to pay. You got to hustle, like that kind of thing. Yeah. So it was a very informative two years yeah. after graduating. And it sounds like mm-hmm. you were really hustling. Like it sounds like you were doing all kinds of all different kinds things of and yeah. like just taking advantage of whatever you could sort of get into. And I wonder if you could talk just a little bit more about that transition period. It feels sort of the way you talk about it, it feels pretty gradual and almost sort of like coming out of, um, Maryland, but I, yeah, could you just... Actually, it, it, maybe, yeah, I guess it, I don't think it was super gradual. Mm-hmm. It was actually, and I was lucky because, again, Mark Hill, you know, it really helped me. Yeah. Because, um, again, the, the connection with your teacher is so important. Mm. Um, but he really helped me connect with, like, the guitarists. Um, yeah. And then even the wind quintet, I think, also as well, that mm-hmm. I started playing with. Mm-hmm. So he already started just getting me chamber music gigs. Mm-hmm. Um and then he also was the one that told me about the union and mm-hmm. all that. And so mm-hmm. I did that very early on. Mm-hmm. I, I, and I started getting gigs like right away. Yeah. yeah and yeah. then, like, like I said, I was also still traveling to those orchestras that I had won the positions for in New World. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was all actually like yeah. right away. I meant gradual yeah. more like it sounds like you were doing some of these things before you even graduated. Oh, yes. So I yes, meant more yes. like, <laughs> like that you were already sort of taking these professional steps yes. before you even yeah graduate. actually yes sorry I misunderstood yeah. no 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 <laughs> that's good because um like I yes like we talked about earlier like when you're a student you have more time than you think yeah. so you might as well invest that in starting to become professional especially yeah. in, if you're in a graduate degree because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. when you're an undergrad like just just practice like <laughs> do your thing but when you're a master's student, like you can start to develop your professional career mm-hmm. even while you're a student. Yes, mm-hmm. I would say it was um, at, 
at the same time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Most of like the chamber music stuff happened after I graduated, mm -hmm. but like the orchestral taking out auditions and whatever those was during while I was still a student. Um, and starting to gig freelance was yeah. also while I was still a student yeah. as well. Yeah. So did you sort of have this, I'm just wondering if you had a moment where it was like you graduated and you're like, now I'm in the real world. How am I making money? How am I paying the bills? How am I yeah. you know, getting this career started? Yeah. So when I graduated from Maryland, I was like, <gasps> so, um, the first thing was, you know, real doing a budget basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like we don't get taught that in music school, mm -hmm. like finances and whatever, but like life skills, you should keep track of your finances. Mm -hmm. um, making a spreadsheet is all you need to do. Um, and just tracking how much you spend versus how much you make. And so yes, and finding a place to live mm -hmm. that is safe, but affordable. <laughs> and so having roommates, um, so I had roommates for a couple years and it was great actually. They uh, because they were also musicians, like mm. it was awesome. Like we would just talk about our what what we're all doing yeah, and like helping yeah, each other yeah. out. And so yeah. having roommates can be really, really great. Mm. Um, but then at one point I was like, no, I wanna have my own place. Mm. And then you have to work really hard to get yourself financially there to do yeah. that. So yeah, there was this moment where like, <gasps> okay, plan everything out. <laughs> and you have to live, you know, like very modestly for a while, mm -hmm. but like um, it's it's just a good habit to have yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> so were you working part-time for Wolf Trap and then gigging and doing mm -hmm. all yeah. things? And exactly. that was all sort of coming together to be your income. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We call it the portfolio career, yes. right? That's the buzzword That's now. Right. <laughs> so yeah, doing all the things. The other thing is just when you're young, um, and this is like Kilmerism, mm. he was like, say yes and then figure it out later. <laughs> you know, like just say yes. Yeah. Like don't double book yourself, of mm. course. But like, for instance, he gave an example like, Oh, you want to do the um, Bach B minor mass or something? Uh, oh, there's um, Demore, Obo Demore in it. You don't mm -hmm. have an Obo Demore. Just say yes, and you'll and you'll figure it. it out later. <laughs> like reach out to your t and like I actually have like I borrowed Demore's from Mark Hill and mm -hmm. you know and I got reads from Kilmer. You know like you you say yes and then figure it out later mm -hmm. and because you want to be known as that person that's like yes eager to mm -hmm. um, because sometimes unfortunately in freelancing sometimes if you say if a, a contractor is asking you and you say no enough times they'll stop asking you yeah so yeah. you got to try and really make sure that you you know you work hard when you're young mm -hmm. and then you can kind of taper <laughs> off later because <laughs> I'm at that point now where I'm trying to taper yes. other things off because yeah. there are other things that are a lot. <laughs> yeah. So let's so. talk about how you got there. Okay. So, so you were saying that when you won the win sync, you, mm -hmm. you almost thought like, this is my last one. Yes. <laughs> so how did you get from that to where you are now? Okay. So for win sync, like it was wonderful. I mean, don't get me wrong. I loved it. I, and I love it still. I'm mm -hmm. still doing win sync, mm -hmm. but it was a lot of time yeah. and commitment and like I said not a ton of money and livable um I, I still supplemented all the time I was in WinSync I still was freelancing here I was mm -hmm. still teaching in the DC area mm -hmm. I gave up those uh, regional orchestras that I was playing in because I just couldn't make the schedules work mm -hmm. um but traveling with WinSync has been amazing I've been to I've been to all 50 states because of WinSync wow I mean partially because of WinSync and, yeah. and then I've been to you know for my personal travels plus WinSync, I've also been to over 25 countries mm. as well. So it's amazing to experience that. Yeah. But as I got older, mm. <laughs> I got married, um, 
I got a house, you know, yeah. here. Uh, the traveling is very taxing. Mm. And so one thing that I kind of wanted to do was try and balance Winsync and, and like hustling and teaching and all that. That was so, I was so busy here and so busy on tour. I was just kind of like, I'd like to maybe simplify my life mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't really planning on taking any auditions really. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Washington National Opera audition came up. Mm-hmm. And I'm already living in DC. Yeah. I was subbing with them actually mm-hmm. um, from their previous season. Mm-hmm. And everybody was like, you need to take our audition. I was like, okay. <laughs> so I actually really wasn't planning on taking that wow. audition. Except it was in town. And then my husband was like, you know, you're going to regret, like, you should just mm-hmm. do it. Like what the harm could it yeah. be? Yeah. And so I hadn't taken an audition in like six, seven years wow. or something. So I was like, wow, I'm rusty on my audition shop. And also the repertoire, because uh, it's opera, yeah. is different, different than yeah. normal orchestra. So I wasn't familiar with a lot of the mm. pieces. So it's kind of starting from scratch, yes. but in a way that's good because mm-hmm. you don't have those preconceived, you know, yes. like I have to play it like this, you yes. know, you can yeah. actually just, as you're, because you're older too, as I'm older too, I could again, put my artistry, my own spin mm. on things. Mm. Cause I have developed to that um, enough to do that. Mm-hmm. And so it was actually kind of fun and interesting preparing that mm-hmm. audition. Can you talk so. about the preparation process? Like yes. when did you yeah. start it and yeah. what did it look like for you? Yeah. So I got the music right away, like as soon as I could. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was, the they, had provi- they provided it. So the audition was in summer Okay. and they provided music, I think three months. Yeah. I think it was three. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't exactly remember. Around about. Around about, yeah. So I got, you get the music right away. You get the list. Mm-hmm. Organize your list. <laughs> you know, I have my iPad now, so I just make a, a play, uh, a set list and just boom, 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 everything in order. Because mm-hmm. you don't want to be wasting time being like, ah, where's that excerpt? You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I also made an audio playlist of mm-hmm. all of the, the excerpts as well with timestamps mm-hmm. specifically for those sections mm-hmm. leading up to the excerpt and app, you know. Because you want to know what's going on. Because yes. <laughs> one thing I hate about auditions is that you're just so alone. Mm-hmm. You feel so naked because nobody's behind. Like, it's not how that piece of music is supposed to be played. Yeah. It's supposed to be played with the context of the orchestra. Yeah. So you need to convince the audition panel that you, that, know, it. That you know what it is, but also you play it so that they hear mm-hmm. it when you're playing. Mm-hmm. You, you, they hear the orchestra behind mm-hmm. you. So the only way to do that is to get knowledge of the score and listen to the recordings. Mm-hmm. So make your audio playlist, make your music playlist. Then luckily I was, I, I, you know, I had kind of a chaotic schedule because of my touring with Winsing. Mm-hmm. But when I was home and um, also we had some breaks because in the early summer before the audition, Winsing's season had finished. So I had a time period of about a month mm-hmm. where I could have really consistent like scheduling of yeah. practicing. I was teaching at a festival in Memphis, actually, mm-hmm. and I would get up at 6 a.m. every morning and go to the festival early and just practice for two hours wow. before the festival. And I did that every single day for two straight weeks. Wow. Because that I was teaching at that festival at the time. Mm-hmm. And the festival actually gave me this really nice structure because mm-hmm. that was the time that I needed to practice. Mm-hmm. And to have that same time every day, and then you do the rest of your day, um, it, I think that more than anything really helped me mentally on how to practice and prepare these exercises. Yeah. So consistent practicing. Now it's tough to do that because again, 
schedules can be chaotic. Yeah. But if you can, leading up to an audition, try and find something. Like, like I said, I was still teaching at a festival. Mm -hmm. So it was very busy, but you have to find those times. Yeah. Like, if you really want to win, wake up at 6 a.m. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. just do it. Um, and then recording myself. Mm. Mock auditions. Mm. Great, great thing to do. Did you do those live with, like, people at the festival? Yeah, I, the other faculty at the festival. Mm -hmm. I was like, hey, can you listen to this? Yeah. And they would give me feedback. I mean, it was just really nice. And even, like, playing it just for my husband, too. Yeah, Because yeah. he, I mean, he plays violin. Mm -hmm. um, he also has perfect pitch, and I don't. <gasps> wow. I know. I'm like, all right, you have it, and I don't. <laughs> so, but, so he has a really good ear. Mm -hmm. um, but even just somebody who isn't as familiar with music. Right. They can tell. They can be like, "That sounded kind of weird, yeah. like an awkward." Yeah. Um, and actually, I, I was I played for some non musicians, mm -hmm. and they're like, "Yeah, that when you took that breath, I felt like it kind of interrupted." And I was like, "Huh," yeah. <laughs> you know, like listening back. They don't know anything about music, but they were just like, "It didn't." It kind of seemed a little awkward, and I was like, "You're right." Mm -hmm. And so I was like refiguring my breaths and stuff. So just playing for as many people, no matter if they're musicians, no matter whatever, mm -hmm. if they're willing to listen to you, you can um, get that experience. Get the adrenaline going. Mm -hmm. And then when you go and take the audition, don't have the mindset like, this is the be all end all I need to win. Because I was like, I don't need to win this. Like, yeah. I love playing in WinSync. Like, yeah. I have that. It's fine. Yeah. If I win it, great. Like, the other reason why I took this audition is because it's the only orchestra that I thought could pair with the mm. WinSync schedule because the opera does not play every single week. Right. So, yeah. so I was just like, very casual. I was just like, you don't, if you care so much about it, then that often locks you up yeah. in an audition. Yeah. There are plenty of auditions out there. I mean, not plenty, <laughs> but there are other auditions out there yeah. and there are other things you can do with your career. You don't have to put so much weight on mm. any single audition. Mm. Cause then you go in and you are so much more relaxed. Yeah. And, um, so I played, you know, I, I wasn't even expecting to get past the first round because really? I was like, I hadn't taken an audition so long. I was just like, uh, you know, there's so many, I was listening to other people warm up. I was like, this sounds so good. And I'm just like, whatever. And then I just went in and I was just, I'm just going to be myself. Yeah. I would suggest not to be too, too crazy in your interpretations mm. of things in the first round of an audition, mm. because that's when they listen to everybody yeah. and they could nix you for anything. Yeah. So just be, be slightly like still put your own spin on things, but maybe a little bit more conservatively. Yeah. Because you just want to show up in the first round as being a solid mm -hmm. player. Yeah. Rhythm, mm -hmm. intonation, um, your tempos, mm -hmm. your articulations, like the fundamentals. Yeah. That's what they're listening for in a first round. Yeah. Then when you get to the other rounds, then you can start to show off a little bit mm -hmm. more, especially the final round. Mm -hmm. um, and this audition, all three rounds were completely blind. Okay. And they um, were all the same day? No. So the first round was one day. The next day was the semis and the finals. Okay. Um, so, but like I said, in the first round, be that really just solid, like don't play like a machine, but be solid. Mm -hmm. Second round, start showing your stuff mm -hmm. in the last round. That's when they asked for the concerto and mm -hmm. I played Mozart concerto with a pianist mm -hmm. and it's actually funny story. Uh, the semis in the morning, the finals were in the afternoon, the semis, they, uh, they gave us the list for the finals and they're yeah. like, you're going to play the Mozart, uh, the first movement of the Mozart concerto. And we were like the whole thing. And they're like, yes. And we were like, with a cadenza? And they were like, yes. And I was like, oh, I did not prepare a cadenza. <laughs> Cause I was like, I was like, they're only gonna ask for yeah, the exposition. Like what, why would they? And so I ran home 
And I like scribbled on a napkin. And I was like, I'm going to do this and this. And I played it for my husband. I was like, what do you think? And he's like, that's pretty good. And I was like, okay. And so I was just like practicing right. And then I came back and I was like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. I can do this. And then they're like, oh, just kidding. You're doing the exposition. Oh, no. <laughs> and I was like, mm. <laughs> but everybody was in the same boat. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so actually don't be lazy. Prepare more than you think that they're, cause I was like, they're not going to, and then they almost did. Um, but then when you get to that, when you get to play the pianist in the final round of a concerto, show yourself, mm -hmm. be yourself because they, that it turns from an objective judging to a very subjective judging mm. and you want to be authentically you because why would you even want to play in an orchestra where they don't like your natural playing yeah yeah so you might as well show it there you're good enough to get there obviously they know that mm. now it's just about the individuality mm. and you want to be your yeah and so that's where your artistry can come through mm -hmm. so that's my advice on auditions <laughs> i mean it, it's again it's not a cure-all everybody has different experiences mm -hmm. so and I count myself extremely lucky. Mm. Like, again, I was just like, whatever, I'm not going to, it's yeah. fine. Um, but I just, you know, I had a good read. I wasn't so hung up about it. Mm -hmm. And I just went in and tried to have as much fun as you can at an audition. Yeah. And, and I met, and you meet other people at auditions too. And it's just fun to like see what other oboists are up to, and, yeah. you know, or other people in your instrument field. Because you're going to see those people again. It's a small world. Mm -hmm. um, so don't, you know, you do what you need to do to play well the audition. But don't be so unfriendly to the yeah. people there. You know, yeah. be be very, you know, open and mm. available to talk. Because uh, some oboes came up to me and was like, you heard Winston. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, so it's, it's fine. You know, yeah. I don't mind it at all. And yeah. it's fun to talk about it. Yeah. So. So I'm wondering first, like, how were you sort of feeling through the three different rounds? And then did you have any sort of, like, game day preparation? <laughs> like, how you sort of got into, like, I mean, mm -hmm. I think it's really important, like, you weren't, like, saying this is the be and be all and be all. all. Like, you were pretty relaxed about it, and I think that's yes. really important. But, mm -hmm. I mean, it's still an audition. Did you have any sort of... Yes, actually... You need to, for at least a week, but preferably at least two, mm. um, eat healthily, mm. well-balanced. Like, this is stupid to say, but, like, it really makes a difference. Yeah. Like, have a good diet. Exercise. Mm. Sleep well. Mm. Like, whatever you need to do, get an adequate amount of sleep. Sleep um, well and long, if you can. Mm -hmm. um, because you want to be in your most naturally alert state like don't caffeinate yourself yeah but like your naturally alert state mm -hmm. i don't drink caffeine at all actually mm -hmm. so i that's not an issue but some musicians they do and sometimes like i can't drink caffeine when i do a performance because you know the jitter is too much yeah. you know so do what you need to do to prepare yourself and that starts even way before your yeah. audition day yeah. and then on the day of don't be like i'm gonna take this magic yeah. <laughs> you know, like don't do anything different if you've already been having this routine for two yeah. weeks yeah it's just like any other day mm -hmm. um and you want to try and make it as normal as possible for yourself mm -hmm. even though of course you're going to be nervous mm -hmm. so eat what you normally eat you know drink lots of water you know go to the thing like pretend like you're just performing rather than auditioning because mm -hmm. that was the advantage for me is that since i've been professionally playing for so long yeah i'm so used to performing yeah. i love performing and auditions are so like, ugh. but if you treat it more like a performance, mm -hmm. 
it, it's better for me at yeah. least. Um, yeah. So there's no like game day, like, hmm, there, no, like if you try to make, if you make it different, then you're, mm. you're mentally making it different for you later on. Mm. Yeah. So that's what I would consistency. Yeah. Consistency. Like yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. That's good. And I think that's really important because then I think that's helping you get into that mindset of like, this isn't something to get super stressed about. Yeah. Like this isn't different. It's just it's not another yes. day and what I've already been doing and what I've been building up to. Absolutely. So. Exactly. So yeah, just mm. normalize it. <laughs> yeah. So, and each round was blind. Each round was blind. Yes. So then how did how did it work out after? How did you find out that you won? Oh, okay. So yeah, we, so there were six finalists mm-hmm. um, and we were all just hanging out in the backstage lounge area chatting. And then they come in and they announce, oh, we have a winner. And it's, and they called the number and it was my number. And I was like, what? <laughs> like it was a visceral, like I didn't yes. mean to say that. I was just like, wow. Like I didn't expect that at yeah. all. And they also had a runner up. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like, that's crazy. And then they took um, the, t- the winner and the runner up up to meet the, uh, the panel mm-hmm. in the hall. Mm-hmm. So they took us up to the hall and it was so funny because I already knew them all because I had been subbing with them. Yeah. And I was like, did you guys know it was me? And they were like, no, it's completely blind. And they were just, they were as wow. shocked as I was. Wow. Yeah. Cause there were, cause there were 60 people who auditioned yeah. for that. So it, I was just like, there's no way. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. So they announce your number and then they bring you up and then you can actually meet the panel. And, mm-hmm. and it's really, it's like a really amazing feeling. Yeah. Cause then I was so just they- like huh because I was like kind of in like this weird mm. and then I walked out and I called my husband and I was like I won and he was like what and then I like was like oh, you know so luckily I kept it together until after I'd met my future colleagues <laughs> but yeah so it was it was really like a great feeling mm-hmm. and and then playing with the orchestra too as I've been this is I'm ending the first season mm-hmm. with them how soon after so. did you start playing with them oh that was the beginning of summer so I didn't start until the fall okay so I had the summer to kind of like work out, the, like sign the contract and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. do the scheduling the season mm-hmm. and stuff with Winsing's schedule and everything. Um, and then playing with them this season, it's been wonderful. I mean, I, I like chamber music. I love chamber music, but I also really like orchestral mm-hmm. playing. And when you get like, you know, we did Electra this mm. past fall. <laughs> that was like crazy. And it was the reduced version, and there were still 120 people in the pit. Oh, wow. And then oh, my they, gosh. I know. It was just – it was crazy. But when you have that many people together and you create this sound that you mm. can't get in chamber music, and you have singers and you mm. have, like, all this thing, it is – I see why people say opera is the ultimate art form. Mm. Like, I see why. Mm. I, I don't necessarily like ultimate. Like, I, I, there's so many art forms that are yeah. – but the collaboration of so many different types of art – Yeah is very apparent in opera. Mm. And it's so cool to be part of that. And the colleagues in the orchestra are all such nice people. Mm. Like I felt so welcome and they were all so encouraging and they're just, the the level of musicianship is just outstanding Mm. in that orchestra. And um, I just had so much fun this past year. And um, yeah, and I'm looking for, like we have one more, we do the operas and the ballets. Mm. So we have one more ballet week. We just finished La Boheme, actually. Mm-hmm. And we have one more ballet week with the New York City Ballet. Um, wow. And then the season is um, over. But then we start again, again in the fall. Mm. So it's just really, it's been amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever sort of see yourself playing in opera? Or had you always sort of just thought 
Orchestra. I just thought orchestra. I never thought opera specifically. In fact, I haven't really had a ton of experience playing opera. Mm. But the thing I like about opera is that it's kind of similar to chamber music mm. because in orchestra, you can kind of predict what's going to happen. Mm. You cannot predict what's happening in opera. Mm. Like they are doing crazy things on stage yeah. sometimes. And the conductor is like, they're beating and like every beat can be a different tempo sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And you as a musician have to be on it, mm. you know, with the conductor and the conductors. So important. like orchestral conductors are great. They're not always necessary, yeah. but like opera conductors are extremely, extremely. Yeah. Cause you can't coordinate, of you course, know, yeah. and everything is so nuanced and so like, mm. wait, and here, you yeah. know, and you have to be on it just like you are in chamber music. Mm. Um, so I found that very fascinating for mm. me and very stimulating for my, my brain. Yeah. Um, so I'd only done opera like maybe three times or four times before I won this job. Mm. Um, and every time I had done opera, I thought it was so fun because yeah. it was so like engaging to me as a musician. Mm. Um, it was just like, you just stay activated the whole time. Mm. So yeah, you know. that's amazing. I was going to ask if there was something that you picked up, you know, the learning curve of joining the opera. I feel like you've already kind of answered it, but if there was anything else. Oh you to yeah, know. no, there is a learning curve. Um, cause I do like, I'm used to playing in chamber music. So I've play like a soloist, you mm -hmm. know, and my position is assistant principal. Mm -hmm. So when I, I did play principal on a couple productions and that was really fun and I could, you know, but I also played second oboe and I also played a lot of English horn mm -hmm. um, this season because there we're actually having another audition for the second slash English horn position mm -hmm. next year. I believe. Mm -hmm. um, but, but since there's only two of us, I'm filling in a lot of that. So, um, I had to learn very quickly. Um, there are times for to be a soloist and there are times to really be mm. together. And even if your part is marked solo, if it's with somebody else, you have to really make sure that that is, you know, coordinated. Um, I would say that the dynamics are super extreme. Mm. Like I know there are extreme in chamber music too, but in, uh, in the orchestra, like they play so loud and so soft. It's mm. really incredible to like, kind of hear what other people are doing because these other people in the or orchestra have been there for like years and years and years mm -hmm. and so they're so experienced them watching and playing and coordinating their musicality and mm -hmm. lining it up with what the beat is given mm -hmm. and not making it sound jerky and awkward yeah. has been really eye-opening because I've always just been like well I do my musical thing and I, like and it's fine mm -hmm. but I didn't have to coordinate it with like a com conductor and a person on stage mm -hmm. and so learning how to do that from my colleagues was mm -hmm. really awesome actually mm -hmm. and so there is a little bit of a learning curve yeah. but if you have those skills and you you've built your fundamentals it's you can adapt so mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah wow amazing this sounds really fun <laughs> but yeah I guess now I'm just wondering looking back at your career so far mm -hmm. if there is something that you would have maybe changed about it or like a piece of advice you'd give yourself for how to how you approached it or how you went about your career and then also looking forward where you sort of see yourself going right um so i guess one thing i would change hmm that doesn't have to be i actually things. like i don't think i did it everything Perfectly. You know, there were obviously things that um, could have gone better. I don't know necessarily if I would have changed. Like, it's, 
a lot of times people ask me if I would have maybe not done the dual degree. Mm. Um, and I would say, no, I would do it. I would do it again mm. if given the choice. Do you um, use that? No, <laughs> not really. I just like having, like, I like learning. So yeah. a lot of the podcasts I listen to actually have to do with this, like learning things. Oh. And that biology thing, anytime there's anything about like nature and animals and whatever, because mm-hmm. that was more my major, mm-hmm. I'm always like, ooh, you know, like, or the history of, of Earth or, you know, that kind of environmental stuff. I mm-hmm. love learning about that. Mm-hmm. But no, I haven't used it professionally. <laughs> um, but that experience is just so valuable yeah. in and of itself. Um, yeah. I don't know if I would change anything necessarily. Looking forward to the future, though, like, um, I don't know if you even noticed, I actually am starting, my old teacher, Mark Hill, is retiring. Mm-hmm. And so I'm actually taking his place at Maryland. Congratulations. Is, thank you. So that's a different aspect of my career yeah. that I have not done before. Yeah. So I did the chamber music, I did the orchestra, but now it's teaching at a university. Mm-hmm. And um, will that be added into the fold? Yes, that'll yeah. be added into the fold. So that's why I'm like, I got to taper off other, mm-hmm. other things. Like mm-hmm. my own private teaching has, I've, you know, diminished quite a bit mm-hmm. because I need to make room for mm-hmm. Maryland. Um, so I'm really looking forward to... Um, doing that kind of teaching Mm -hmm. like I have a lot of experience teaching just from privately and Winsync does a lot of university residencies Mm -hmm. so I've had a lot of experience teaching university level students as Uh well I mean we even did a residency at Eastman which Uh is great Um, but having a studio of your own um, is going to be a little different so Mm -hmm. again learning curve there's a lot of things in academia that are different Mm -hmm. that I need to learn (laughs) and I know that yeah sorry no go ahead I yeah I I had seen on Facebook that you Mm -hmm. announced that it's amazing I can't believe I forgot oh no no it's totally fine but Um, when you're talking about the future like that's one of the things that I'm like coming up for you because like I said I love to learn Mm -hmm. so when you're teaching you are learning as well. Yeah. And so and it's totally different than anything I've done from my career before. Well, not totally, but like it is different. Pretty different, yeah. So I'm eager to learn about that mm. and like eager to really like help the, because the teaching now, it's like the kids may or may not want to be a music major when they go to college, eh, you know, but the kids who come, you know, to be in the study at in college, they do want to mm-hmm. be a musician. Mm-hmm. So really helping them yeah. in their career and getting them maybe to where I am, like, is really going to be kind of cool. Yeah. You know, I'm, like, really excited. Bringing it sort of full circle. Yeah. yeah. And, like, and like thinking back on everything, Mr. Kilmer and mm. Mark Hill and my high school teachers, too. Like, mm. Malcolm Smith, he was the principal of um, Indianapolis. Like, remembering all of that. Mm. My violin teachers, too. Mm. Margaret Jones was my high school violin teacher. Like, all of the things that they said... I'm now bringing back and being like, what can I do to help mm. the next generation? Yeah. You know, it's going to be really fun. Yeah. So. Could you, could you talk some about how that came about? How you even, yeah. like, have you thought about teaching at a university? Oh, totally. Like, yes. Yeah. How that, yeah how that, that was actually one of my goals. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, oh, like since a couple years ago, okay. I was just kind of like thinking, I was like, what would be really ideal is just to like be performing. I've been performing and performing, but I would love to like teach, mm. you know, like at a high level. And so I was thinking about it and I was like, kind of, you know, and then I heard that my old teacher, Markel is retiring mm-hmm. in a few years. So that's what kind of put planted in my mind. Mm-hmm. I was like, Hmm, maybe I should try and get his job. <laughs> well, I mean, I wasn't, you know, scheming like right, that, right, right. but I was just kind of like, 
oh, you know, I called him up and I was like, hey, let's get dinner together mm-hmm. um, we to catch up. And also, congratulations on, you know, you're going to be retiring soon. Like, yeah. it's amazing. You know, you've had such a long yeah. and amazing career. So we caught up, you know, and I was telling him about all my stuff. And he was like, yeah. And like, he didn't say anything. But I was just kind of maybe planting the seed a little bit. I, I didn't say anything about like, hey, what are you, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I just focused on my own career, Winsink winning the opera job, mm-hmm. um, then actually Mark approached me mm-hmm. and was like, hey, you know, since I'm retiring soon, you know, um, I've actually like put your name into mm-hmm. the list of candidates for the position. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Really? I was like, because I didn't, again, I wasn't like, can you like consider yeah, me? Like yeah, yeah. he told me. Mm-hmm. And I think it was mostly because I, you just concentrate on making yourself mm. the best you can be. Yeah. Other people will see it. Like yeah. you don't have to be so brazen. And I mean, some people are really good networkers. I don't think I really am. I just kind of portray myself as a solid, consistent, you know, reliable person mm. um an artist as well mm. and um and people notice it mm-hmm. and then you just occasionally like you genuinely want to be in touch with somebody to uh, for that relationship not because of what you can get from it right like I love t- keeping in touch with Kilmer and Mark because I just like them as people yeah. and they like me <laughs> so I'm constantly like let's get you let's get you mm-hmm. like I even like my husband does tennis and so does Mark so I was like you guys keep playing tennis and like you know, just nothing to do with music, that yeah. kind of thing. You know, yeah. if you're genuine in how you want to like connect with someone, mm-hmm. then they also feel like that's that's a, that's a lot better reason to talk to somebody yeah. than trying to get something mm-hmm. from them. That would come naturally, yeah. like if you have set yourself up in a certain way. Yeah. Um. So they said I was being considered, and I was like, "Wow, that's amazing." Um. So I. Then I got in contact with the head of the department, which is the flute professor, and she had me come in to do um, uh, observed teaching. Mm. Yeah, so I did a private lesson. I also did a studio class. Okay. And, um, you know, and I've done lots of those before, so mm-hmm. I was just kind of like myself. And Mark was there, <laughs> and she was there, and then the student professor came and observed mm-hmm. and everything. And I was just like myself, again. Yeah, yeah. Like when you're teaching, everybody has a different teaching style. Don't try to do something that you're not gonna actually offer. Mm-hmm. So I was just being myself, you know, and listening and giving feedback and basically doing a master class. Mm. And it was really fun. And then actually it be, kind of became a whirlwind. Mm. Like just a few days after that, they the flute professor called me and was like, we loved like what we saw, we want to hire you. And oh I was like, gosh, what? I was like, Oh my goodness. I was like, I was expecting it to be like a longer process, mm-hmm. but the reason is because, um, it's kind of late in the year. Mm-hmm. It was, this was back in April mm-hmm. and a lot of people had already auditioned and committed to schools. And uh, so the recruitment aspect of it was like very dire Yes, because you know, I, I get it. People don't want to commit to a school if they don't know who's going to teach there. Mm-hmm. So they, um, they were like, yes, can you, can you start recruiting for this? We have GA positions. Available. Wow. And I was like, when, okay. And I was like, when, when do I really, cause don't, isn't there deadlines? And they're like, yeah, if you could do it by like early May, oh my that'd gosh. be amazing. And I was like, <gasps> so I like spent two weeks emailing literally every Oval professor I've ever met in my entire life. Also mm. ones I hadn't met. Mm. And I called Mr. Kilmer, you know, I called a bunch of people 
And luckily, I managed to get two people to come. Oh my god! And, and, and I'm really excited because one is a Kelmer student, mm. and one is a student of um, Sherry Seiler, who is mm. the assistant principal of the New Yorkville. Wow! Because I met her at IDRS, the mm. International Double Conference, this past summer, and she's a big fan of Winsync. Mm-hmm. So you build you these connections that you have from yeah. earlier in your career, like they come so back. Serving. They really come back, and that helped me. Like, and also just. Emailing every all the OBA professors, it was so good to hear from them and catch mm. up with a lot of them mm. too. And maintain that connection. Maintain the connection. Yeah. And even if they're like, oh, my students already accepted other things. And I was like, no worries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I was like, hopefully I can send you some students, you know. Yeah. Like, so, and, but it's like a really, like music is so competitive, but at the same time, it's a big family as mm-hmm. well. And um, you can really have so many cool connections all over the place yeah. from music. And that's just that's just awesome. Yeah. So, so had you even like officially applied for the position or like what? Um, they had like a short list. So it's not, a te- so this is kind of getting in the weeds, but it's not a tenure track position. Mm-hmm. So they, so when, if they open it up to be tenure track, it would be a national search. I see. But since it's not, they had their short list. Of I candidates. see. I see. Um, and so, and I was on the short list. And, and there were several other people. There's and your audition essentially was was the observed yeah, teacher. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I and they had my resume as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have plenty of my playing online, you know. <laughs> so they're able, and also like, it, it's kind of cool too because like I'm alone mm-hmm. and they're yeah. I'm not I'm not exactly sure how that process all worked out. Yeah. I just know that there was a short list. Yeah, um, and so. So it wasn't just like they just handed this to me. No, no, like they no. were just kind of there was a process that yeah. had happened. Well, and before. it's also yeah. like even though it wasn't you know specifically for this application, like all of the work you've done in your whole career is mm-hmm. like leading up to this moment and exactly like contributing yeah. to opening these opportunities for you in the first place. Right. Yeah. And just like I said, establishing your reputation. Mm-hmm. And I think it was really smart of me to stay in the DC area after mm-hmm. graduating from Maryland. Mm-hmm. Um, and not everybody has that opportunity um, to stay where you in the same city that you went to school in. Yeah. Um, because Mark Hill helped me so much yeah. start kickstart my professional career mm-hmm. because of the connections he had here. Yeah. Um, so it is helpful, um, but it's possible to do it other ways too. So mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I think it's yeah. It's just been really inspiring to hear. I feel like you're very humble about all of your successes, <laughs> but I just feel like I get the sense that you've really put yourself out there, and you've been mm-hmm. really proactive in like, you know, taking every advantage and every opportunity that you have, and then seeing later how those sort of come back. Um, and like and help you out. yeah and help you out and like impact your career when mm-hmm. you know you wouldn't have even known that at the start these relationships that you fostered and these connections that you've built have then opened up these doors oh, totally and totally. yeah so and you start it all when you're a student mm-hmm. like yeah it's just it's really cool and it is a lot of luck as well mm-hmm. um so I mean there's no one way to do it. Yeah. And so, but the most you can do is how you can present yourself yeah. and change yourself and, um, and interact with people mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. Like you can't be, well, if they did this or if they like blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. If you hold yourself up to that standard, then I feel like a lot of times it works out for people. Mm-hmm. And even if that means changing your career, mm-hmm. Because some people are so much happier doing something else. Yeah. Because, like, it's not like you're a failure at music. You're still an amazing musician. Um, but sometimes it just doesn't make you happy anymore. Mm-hmm. And I have some colleagues, you know, and friends who went to Eastman. 
one of the best music schools and they're not doing music anymore, but they're so much happier. Mm. It's not for everyone. Yeah. And it by no means means that you're a failure. There's yeah. no such thing. Yeah. Um, so you be the best you. And if that leads you to be a musician or to not be a musician, you should let yourself do that. Don't have this conception in your mind that, well, I, if I change career for music, I fail. No, mm. no, not at all. So more successful, honestly, you make more money. <laughs> so, but like, you just find what works for you yeah. and don't try to fit, don't try to fit yourself into some mold that doesn't work mm. and don't try to be like that mold should fit me. Like yeah. you have to find your, 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 own. your own. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, I thought just to finish off, mm-hmm. it would be fun, hopefully, <laughs> to do a sort of rapid fire. Sure, section. go for so it. So just like whatever pops into your head. It can be whatever you feel in this moment. It doesn't mean you're subscribing to it for the rest of your life. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I have to be good. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so just, just how you're feeling today. Okay. Sounds good. What would you say is your fa- Who would you say is your favorite composer? Debussy. Debussy. Okay. <laughs> and your favorite piece of classical music? La Mer. Oh, that's what makes I said. Yeah, I love that piece so much. Amazing. Uh, favorite movie soundtrack? Ooh. Um, mm, hmm. I don't know. Okay, I'm gonna just it's say I'm gonna say Coco. Coco. <gasps> yeah. Nice. I'm gonna. There's so many good ones, but Coco is like. Blows my mind. Wow. Yeah. Okay, I'll have to go listen to that. It's so good. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. The guitar. Uh, oh my it gosh. is good. It's yeah, so good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fun times. Mm-hmm. Uh, what genre of music do you listen to most of the time? Like when you're by yourself. For fun. Oh, for fun. Um, <laughs> I actually like um, listening to uh, like alternative rock. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> I, yeah. I know. Actually, when I was in high school, I was a drummer in a rock band. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it went, yeah. The whole career it, could have turned out so differently. It's, it's so weird, but it's so fun. I kind of like listening to that kind of loud mm. kind of stuff. Pumps you up. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was quote unquote kind of goth when I was in high school wow. as well. So that kind of music, I'm like dark like, <laughs> kind of music. I Every once in a while, I'm just like, yeah, let's go. But Great. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> uh, what yeah. are you currently reading? Oh, hmm. What am I reading? I'm not actually reading that much. I'm mostly listening. Mm. I, I found that I'm more of an oral like learner. Like books? Or yeah, podcasts or podcasts. Or yeah, stuff. So I've actually gotten really into true crime. Oh, <laughs> so I've been see listening. A, see, see another side <laughs> of right now. Yeah, so I've been listening to a lot of crime junkie. <laughs> um, but reading is like, I mean, I enjoy reading, but it's a not... I don't absorb as well when I'm mm. reading. So if I do read a book, I often do the audio. Yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah. the most recent one that I read, oh, is My Brilliant Friend. Mm. Do you know that book? It's I like an Italian. So. Oh, it's so good. But I listened to that on okay. an audiobook. Okay. Really, really good book. I'll so. look it up. Mm-hmm. My Italian friend. No, My Brilliant Friend. Oh, My Brilliant mm-hmm. Friend. Why did I say yeah, that? Yeah, no. Because, well, it's an Italian. It's set in Italy. And, okay. you know, it's an Italian writer and stuff. So. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Great book. <laughs> um, and what's the last thing you listened to? Was it Rock. No, it was actually this ballet music that I'm <laughs> preparing for this next week. Nice. So we're doing, um, a, what are we doing? Oh, we're doing, um, there's a saxophone concerto that was uh, written last year. Oh, cool. Um, for ballet. Mm-hmm. They're doing like, it's more interpretive, like oh, modern ballet. Okay. Um, we're also doing Debussy, Prelude to Afternoon Fawn. Mm. And we're doing some Donizetti variations mm. as well. Wonderful. So I've been listening to a lot of that. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Who's a musician you really admire? 
Oh, I really, I mean, of course, Mr. Pelkers. Yeah. He's, like, amazing. Um, I would also say my other favorite oboist would probably be Albrecht Meyer. Mm. Just because he's the principal of um, Berlin. Mm. And he's amazing. Mm. Like, he has such a soulful, like, uh, so musical, so, like, emotes musicality. Mm -hmm. And, like, a lot of, some orchestral playing, people can be in a box and he's not. Mm. Like, he plays like a soloist. Mm. And I'm just like, mm. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Amazing. And then if there was one, any, like, any sort of resource, book, movie, song, podcast, that you would recommend that you feel like someone needs to listen to this right now, or someone needs to consume this right now, what would it be? Oh, my goodness. Um, I I don't know. I feel like right now... <laughs> I mean, for fun, mm. I highly recommend... I just finished watching Beef. <laughs> oh, what is that? It's a, a Netflix show. Okay. Um, it's Ali Wong, the comedian Ali yes, Wong. yeah. And she... Um, it was really good. <laughs> it gets really trippy at the end, but, like, it was really good. Okay. And it actually kind of made me think about how I interact with people. Mm. Like, it's hilarious, and it's meaningful, and it's, like, so well-made, mm. and it makes you think. Mm. And so I would I would recommend that. I know it's okay. kind of weird and no, 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 funny. No, anything. But yeah, that's a, that was a really, really great show, I thought. Cool. Okay, Beef. Beef, yeah. Okay. And it, yeah, it's funny. Good to know. <laughs> Amazing. Well, that's all my recommendations. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> if there's just any last piece of advice or just something you want to leave our listeners with, what would it be? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I feel like I've said most of what I mm. think um, my main thing is don't take things so seriously mm. I think that's the main I mean obviously you want to be disciplined you want to take things seriously but if you do it too much it can yeah. actually hinder you mm. and be your authentic self um, and that will make your music more unique and just better because mm. the more different voices we can hear mm. in music the better it, we all get and that actually kind of goes for life too. Just like everybody's opinions matter is like be yourself and respect how other people play music or their opinions too. Because mm -hmm. it really inform it, it informs all of us to become yeah. better ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's no, I, love that. <laughs> I mean, that's really important. And I feel like you've shared so much wisdom and really valuable advice throughout this whole podcast. I think it'll be really helpful for a lot of people. So. I hope so. Thanks so much. <laughs> Thanks for joining. Thank you. Yeah. I'm excited for you and all that's Oh, yeah. thank you. you. <laughs> Me too. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Orchestrating Your Career podcast and a big thanks to Emily for sharing her story and so much actionable advice. The resources mentioned in this episode and where you can connect with Emily are all linked below. You can find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other platforms, as well as get more frequent updates on Instagram. To watch videos of all the episodes and get extra behind-the-scenes content, then check out the YouTube channel Orchestrating Your Career. Subscribe so you don't miss anything, and look out for new episodes on the 1st and 15th of every month. Next episode's conversation will be with Don Hoffman, member of the first clarinet section with the United States Army Concert Band, as well as a pianist and piano accompanist. Until next time, I'll let Emily's quartet performance finish out the episode, so take it away, Emily. Mm -hmm.